So praise the Lord. Let's, let's just pray, Lord. We just thank you for your word today. And we just uh, thank you, Father, that it will go forth um, uh, as we finish this series, um, that you will be uh, glorified and that the people will be helped in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're doing part three of um, Thankful. And, um, you know, I want to start by reading uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. And, you know, this is a, a, a very important verse and one we need to practice on a daily basis. Amen. This isn't something that we need to do uh, every now and then when we think of it. I believe this should be as daily as having a shower or having your breakfast. First uh, Thessalonians 5 verse 18, it says, um, thank you, Jesus. Rejoice always, verse 16. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many times people pray and say, Lord, show me your will. Well, here God has expressly shown us his will, and that is that we're to give thanks in everything. Um, uh, so again, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it says, in everything, not for everything. And I think it's important to make that, that clarification. You, you can't necessarily thank God for everything, but you can thank God in everything. And this is why, again, we must be deliberate and intentional in giving our God thanks on a daily basis because we may not always feel like thanking God, particularly when things in our life are going wrong. But in every situation, we choose thankfulness because, again, thankfulness is a choice. And so, you know, we thank God. Lord, I thank you that we're able to gather here today for public worship, um, you know, that uh, we, we thank you for our salvation, for our families, our health, our jobs, our, our freedom, and, and for giving us an, another day to love and live and serve you. And so, uh, when you think about it, you know, we, we thank you, Lord, that we can see, that we can walk, that we can hear, uh, that we can love, that we can breathe, and, you know, thank you, Lord, for life. Last week, Gian shared a tremendous uh, testimony, but uh, one thing that he said that, that really struck me. He said, thankfulness is a choice, one that will benefit you more than anyone else. And this is the thing. Thankfulness is appropriate, uh, of course, as believers, but it benefits you. And so I agree because sometimes we need to change before our circumstances do. Some of you are going to be thankful when your circumstances change, but that is why your circumstance might never change, because sometimes we have to change before our circumstances do, and that is why Thanksgiving is so important, and this is why faith is required, because anyone can give thanks when the giant is slain, when the walls fall down, or when the prayer is answered, but it takes faith to thank God in the midst of the battle, you know, when all hope seems to be lost, when you seem to be going from one defeat to another. You see, we can thank him even when failure seems inevitable. And this is why the book of Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flocks may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That was written by somebody with a thankful heart. And he was saying that, you know what, even if everything in my life is going wrong, I am going to thank God because thankfulness is a choice. You know, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, have faith in God. And he uh, demonstrated how faith works. Uh, Mark chapter 11 and verse 12, um, and it says, 
Now the next day when they'd come from Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing afar a fig tree having leaves, uh, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. Um, when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Uh, interestingly, the leaves and the fruit appear at the same time um, with regards to fig trees. And it says, in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And um, so, again, this, it's important to understand things don't have to have a voice in order to speak. You know, your bank account can speak to you. Amen. Your, your, your body can be speaking to you, you know, through symptoms, etc. Your circumstances. So, again, this tree was essentially uh, speaking to Jesus because it says, in response, he, he spoke to the tree, which made no sense, um, speaking to an inanimate object, so to speak. But Jesus speaks to it and he says, Let no fruit from you, um, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And anyway, further on in verse 20, um, it says, now in the morning, the next day, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, the day before when Jesus spoke, it looked like nothing had changed. And for some of you, you might be standing in the middle of the storm and it doesn't look like your situation is getting any better. But you have to realize that God is working um, on your situation. Even if you can't see it or feel it, you have to believe God is working. And so, um, you know, they, they passed by, the fig tree was it was dead, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Peter is surprised. Jesus, of course, is not. Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. So Jesus here shows us how faith can affect and influence our circumstances. And he said, surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And so here Jesus demonstrates how faith works and you see faith always has to be both expressed and acted on and thus through this simple act Jesus demonstrated how faith works to his disciples faith is expressed through the words we speak and so if all you do is complain and gripe or feel sorry for yourself you're guilty of ingratitude and your ingratitude demonstrates that you're actually ruled by unbelief you see, many times we're complaining, and our complaining is really, it's giving expression to unbelief, and it's empowering, uh, you know, unbelief in our lives, as opposed to declaring faith. And so, no, this is the, the, the important thing is, we must learn to thank God before we see the answer manifested. Again, John chapter 6 and verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had, and the loaves were, no way were they enough to meet the need, because, um, you know, there was thousands of people. Um, Peter brings five barley loaves and two small fish. And he said, you know, what are they among so, so, so many people? And it seemed ridiculous, but it says, verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who sat down. And, and it says, uh, likewise, the fish, as much as they wanted, and so there was loads of, of baskets filled afterwards. And, you know, the, the Bible talks about, um, you know, that, um, thank you, Jesus, that there were literally thousands of people there um, in, in that moment. And so, you know, the, the principle is this. It said Jesus gave thanks. 
What he had wasn't enough, but he gave thanks. And for some of you right now, what you have might not be enough, but you need to give thanks. Um, Things may not be the way you want in your life right now, but you need to give thanks. This is appropriate because this is what Jesus did. You know, if my kids ask me for something and I say yes, do you know that all that's appropriate from there on is for them to simply say, thanks dad. Even though they can't see it or touch it in that moment, they know that I will do it. It's like Joshua a few weeks ago after the uh, Euros, he he asked me, he said, dad, uh, can I order this on Amazon? And it was a a poster of a Lewandowski, um, he's some, I think he's a Polish soccer player, and um, so it, it, apparently it was, it, it was this signed photo for like 30 euros, but it, it was like, it wasn't signed, it was just like, you know, it was a photocopy, so to speak, but um, it, I, I said, yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll get it for you, Joshua, no, no problem, so, so we ordered it, but you know, um, how would you feel if your child, uh, you know, came to you and started begging for what they'd already asked you for and you'd already promised them? And, and not only that, but they also started asking others to ask you on their behalf. And yet, when it comes to prayer, isn't this what many of us do? We're not only begging God and crying out to God over and over and over again, asking and asking and asking, um, but we're, uh, you know, uh, gathering other people to pray on our behalf because we don't really feel like he's heard us. And so, you know, what was the only necessary thing after I ordered that poster for Joshua for him to simply say, thank you? There was no need to ask again. I already heard you. It's ordered. It's on the way. And so this is why 1 John 5.14 in the Brian Bible says, this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. So that we know we already possess what we've asked of him. And so, thus as I pointed out last week, a lack of thankfulness is really evidence of a lack of faith. Many times the reason why we're not thanking God is we don't really believe he has answered our prayer. So many times we're no different to the world. I'll believe it when I see it. That's not how faith works. We have to believe it and then we will see it. Too many times we have it backwards because if we truly believe, we will thank him like it's already done. This is why Philippians chapter 4 and it talks about, um, you know, the, the, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, Philippians 4, 6, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So again, in many instances, as believers, it's not that we're not offering prayer and supplication, but in many instances, we're not um, adding in that, that essential agree- ingredient that is missed by so many, and that is thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. So again, unfortunately, like I said, uh, thanksgiving is often the missing ingredient in your miracle, because most of us ask, but not uh, all of us thank. Um, A.W. Pink said this, yes, give thanks for all things. As it has been well said, our disappointments are but his appointments. And you know, listen, all of us in life will come across disappointments because invariably there will be disappointments. There will be times when you don't understand why something has or hasn't happened or why God's timing seems very different to ours. 
But even then, we can still give God thanks, even though we were hurt or betrayed or because we're in the middle of the battle, because we still believe that God is worthy, that he is still good. And this is why we should thank him. Um, uh, The writer of um, Winnie the Pooh, A.A. Milne, the British writer, said this. um, uh, Well, he wrote this, actually. It's it's a line from uh, Winnie and the Pooh. It says, Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. I love the way the English express things at times, that old English. But, you know, that even though Piglet had such a small heart, it could hold a large amount of gratitude. So, you know what? Learn to develop an attitude of gratitude because, you know, some have a heart full of gratitude, but in other, others have a mouth full of attitude. And this is the problem. <laughs> Too many times it's your attitude rather than your gratitude speaking, okay? And so, again, uh, Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Carr, he was a French novelist and journalist, and he said, some people are always grumbling because roses have thorns. I am thankful that thorns have roses. Sometimes it's about your perspective. It's about how you see things, okay? And so, uh, and this is why testimony is so important because it's rooted in thankfulness. Revelation 12 verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You know why some of you would never dream of ever giving your testimony? You're not really that thankful. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate, you know, uh, both Kian and, and Gian and, and Paul of these last weeks being willing to make themselves vulnerable, tell some of their story. The beautiful thing about God is, um, you know, God does such a, a thorough work of redemption. You could never even imagine that they were where they once described that they were. And this is the beauty of, of the gospel message, you know, is that ultimately the answer isn't politics or philosophy or anything else. The, the gospel is the only thing that can heal the human heart and change your life. And so... Again, you know, this is the problem. Many people don't give their testimony because they're not really thankful because deep down, you think your ability, your effort, or your intelligence got you this far. And yet, many of us are, you know, working in jobs, living in homes, married to spouses that we know that we don't deserve. You know, thank God for grace. May we never forget what we don't deserve, amen? And this is why we can thank God even for the difficulties because you know what? Every difficulty, no matter how unpleasant, is an opportunity for you to grow. And you may be in an unpleasant situation right now, but how many of you know that even in that situation, you can grow if you have the right attitude. You can grow in Christ-likeness and character. And so we thank God in the midst. <laughs> Some of you are thinking of your husband right now. He, God is just using that man to perfect you and make you more like Christ. Amen? Or vice versa. Maybe it's your wife. Amen? So anyway... This is so important because uh, we can thank God in the midst of the trials because, again, faith has to be expressed. Uh, we looked last week, uh, Jesus healed the 10 lepers. Only one came back and he loudly gave thanks to Jesus Christ. And so, uh, this is the thing. Many times, we don't give God the thanks that he deserves. What did Jesus say? Where are the other nine? Because as I said last week, very few of us are as loud or as insistent in thanking as we are in asking. Amen? And I pray this changes after this series. Daniel 6 and verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. You see, this verse reveals two things about the prophet Daniel. Firstly, prayer was an irreplaceable part of his daily life, as was gratitude. You know, 
Daniel was a captive in a foreign land. His freedom, his nation, and even his name had been taken from him. He was called Belshazzar, and yet he was still thankful to God. He was grateful that God was with him, even in tough places. How many of you are glad that God is with you, even in the tough places, amen? Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is the promise Christ has made to us. So thankfulness must become a habit, because first the man makes the habits, and then the habits make the man, and again, the same for women. So therefore, even though it was no longer safe or beneficial for Daniel to pray, he did it anyway, because prayer was as much a part of his life as breathing. You know, I wonder if prayer or worship was made illegal tomorrow, and we're not, we're not that far off from it in a way, in the direction, the, 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 the tangent, uh, you know, our societies are taking. But, you know, how many of us would continue if it was made illegal? You know, I, I really believe it's time for us to grow up. You know, as the church, we have to grow up because the king is coming. You know, Hebrews 6 and verse 1, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. So, you know, God is wanting us to mature because Christ is returning. Hebrews 5 and 12, Among, uh, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to reteach you the basic principles of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. You see, childishness has no place among us, okay? Taking offense so easily, you know, uh, insisting on our own way, uh, being so touchy and, you know, uh, we have to get over this. We have to stop because, you know, one of the characteristics of spiritual maturity is you become grateful, not hateful. You become grateful, not offensive offended. You become grateful, not bitter. Amen? And, and you can't be both. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect in your life. It just means that you're thankful for God for all that he has done. And you don't immediately forget um, uh, what God has done just because you have a pressing need. You see, a baby believer comes to God saying, give me, give me, give me. A mature believer comes with thank you, thank you, thank you. Which are you? Which are you? What constitutes your prayer life? Because for some of you, your prayer life is simply, give me, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy, you know? And that's the way you live your life, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying, even if your name isn't Jimmy, but you know, some of you, that, that's, that's your prayer life. No, you need to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen? So, um, anyway, uh, thankfulness will make you happier, more successful uh, person. Uh, it, it will make you happier in yourself, and, and you'll, it'll make you much easier to live with. Because a person with a chip on their shoulder um, is never pleasant to be around, okay? Um, he hasn't done this, and she hasn't done that, and uh, how many of you know, you get around some people, and suddenly they just start rehearsing and listing their, their grudges and their offenses. Listen, get over yourself. It's not about you. It is about the king and his kingdom, and whether you realize it or not, he's coming back again, so we need to get our houses and get our lives in order. And this is why one of the issues I have with this whole victimhood culture currently in vogue, that, that it tends to turn petty grievances into an identity and ultimately into a destiny. 
Okay, so, uh, and, and really what this becomes is, uh, you know, it ends up being a life lived far below um, its purpose and calling, hiding behind excuses and, and bearing pointless grudges, blaming everyone for your problems and disappointments. And you know what, in Ireland, we've made literally a, an industry out of this. You know, blaming the British for this, that, and the other. You know what? We need to get over the past and live in today and learn to forgive and forget in Jesus' name. Amen? You know, it's like the gravestone of the British comedian Spike Milligan, and it says, I told you I was ill. And that's the way some people live their lives, just blaming everybody and feeling sorry for themselves. And if you're not English, you don't get that joke, but I think it's hilarious. I told you I was sick. Do you understand? I, I, okay. Um, okay. Learn this vital lesson. No one, including God, owes you anything. And if you understand that, your life will become much simpler and happier because you won't be looking for things from people that, that, that they don't have to do for you. So you will become a humble, grateful person, and you won't go around with this sense of entitlement, perpetually offended at everyone around you. Just get over it, okay? Because, you know, while previous generations celebrated those who overcame adversity and affliction on the way to the top, now, you know, we're making inadequacy, inability, and failure a coveted identity where people are literally competing to see who is the most oppressed individual. You know, some seeking to benefit from the misery and suffering of, suffering of, of generations long dead. I believe this is so sad and so pathetic. It's not how God wants us to live. But you know what? Thankful people don't have time for that foolishness because they know this principle. If man can't make me, then man can't break me. Amen? Thankful people refuse victimhood as an identity because they don't want pity. They want destiny. You can have one or the other. I'm not going to spend my life sucking my thumb, looking for sympathy. I want destiny in Jesus' name. How about you? Okay? We need to be like Caleb who said, give me my mountain. You know, Joshua 14, 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet, I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. How many of you like a guy at 85 wants to step out and claim his destiny? He's not giving up. He's pressing forward. And so, again, you can sense his deep sense of gratitude to God. Because let me say this. Grateful people live longer and stronger. Amen? And that's why a whole lot of other ungrateful people were buried, but he's here still strong and ready for the battle because there's tremendous power in thanksgiving. The Bible says we should be overflowing with thanksgiving, Colossians 2.6. So then, just as you receive Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with, thanks and, uh, and overflowing with thankfulness. Does that describe you or me? Most likely it doesn't. Yes, we may thank God, thank you God. This hasn't happened yet. Thank you God, I'm still single. Thank you God, I'm still married. Um, I, 
just throwing it out there. Uh, but you know what? This is the thing. Too many times, we might be going through the motions, but we're not overflowing. We're not overflowing with thankfulness. David said, my cup overflows. Psalm 23 was written by a man with a, with a heart that was overflowing with thankfulness. Amen? And that should describe us. So again, you may say, but pastor, you don't know what happened. I don't, but God does, and he's still in control. He has an answer, even when there seems to be no sense in what's happening in your life right now. Romans 8, 28 says that, and we know in all things, work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. The Bible says, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. The Bible says God works all things for our good, even the bad. You know, Second Chronicles 20 talks about Jehoshaphat. As they started to praise in the midst of, of, of facing an, uh, you know, a, a huge enemy, God, it says, sent ambushments against their enemy. As they praised and they thanked the Lord. I don't have time to go there, but it says the Lord ambushed their enemies. How many of you would like to see anxiety ambushed? You know, depression demolished, death destroyed, strife shattered. Well, it will happen as you begin to start thanking God on a daily basis. Start to thank him. You know what? Learn to magnify uh, the problem. Learn to magnify the promise and not the problem. And this is what too many of us do. We're magnifying the problem instead of magnifying God's promises. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Psalm 92 and 1, it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his gates of thanksgiving and into his courts of praise. That's why I'd encourage you, get here on time, get here early and pray and be ready for the worship. It's so important because we must enter his gates with thanksgiving. Don't just sing a song, you know... Sing to him with thanksgiving in your heart because there's always something to thank God for. You know, Acts chapter 16, talking about Paul and Silas, they were beaten, they were bleeding, they were in the prison. It was the midnight hour and, you know, many of us at that stage would have been complaining to God, feeling sorry for ourselves. But you know what? It says at midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners are listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. You see, breakthrough came when they started to thank God, even in a dark place. You know, Paul and Silas gave thanks in prison. Did they feel like it? Of course not. Their backs were bleeding their egos were bruised but they were deliberate in giving God thanks you know the midnight hour is the darkest hour and in the darkest hour they were praising God you know I'm sure like us they felt like complaining but they didn't they chose to thank God you know Thanksgiving is a choice not a feeling Numbers 21 and 5, they set out from Mount Har along the Red Sea, a detour around the land of Eden. The people became irritable and cross as they traveled. They spoke out against God and Moses. Why do you drag us out of Egypt to die in this God-forsaken country? This is the message version. No decent food, no water, and we can't stomach this stuff any longer. You know, the New King James says, our soul loads this worthless bread. You know, be very careful that you don't 
treat the precious things of God as worthless just because you're tired or frustrated. You know, ingratitude is an awful thing. I mean, it's, it's terrible to see it in children, but it's even worse to see it in adults. You know, may we never be ungrateful to the God who gives us breath. Amen? So again, Psalm 22 verse 3 says, God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. So if God is enthroned in our praises, then who's enthroned in our complaints? Think about it. Because some of you literally never stop complaining. Because if thanksgiving attracts the peace and the presence of God in your life, then I believe complaining attracts the enemy. And it tells them, just try a little bit harder and they will quit. You know, Numbers 21, it says the people complained. And it says that the Lord sent in snakes that started biting the people. Well, you know, when we don't have a thankful heart, it opens the door to the destructive power of the enemy in our lives. Amen? You see, they complained. They didn't thank God who had just delivered them out of Egypt. They just got discouraged. They gave in to their uh, feelings and they gave expression to, to, to their complaints. And so they lost perspective. Okay, they weren't where they wanted to be, but they were no longer where they used to be. And that's the way some of you are right now. Okay, maybe you haven't got into your promised land yet. You know, maybe you haven't got out of debt, or you haven't found love, or you haven't started your business, or whatever. But you know what? You're not where you used to be. Some of you, some of us, were in some very dark places in the past, but thank God, He brought us out. And so learn the lesson. Psalm 39 and verse 1. As Sam of David, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. David said, I'm going to put a muzzle on my mouth. I'm going to put a muzzle so that I'm not complaining, so I'm not giving expression to unbelief, so that I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Like David, if you have to put a muzzle over your mouth, uh, figuratively speaking, say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going there. I'm not giving in to negativity, doubt, and unbelief anymore. Be intentional in your thanks. I'd love to have the time to go to the book of Ruth, but you know, the book of Ruth is such a beautiful story because really Ruth is a story of gratitude. You know, she, Ruth marries um, into the Naomi's uh, son and um, uh, sadly, uh, you know, uh, both of Naomi's sons uh, die and so Naomi is going to go back to Israel. She's destitute, she has nothing. And, um, and she says to her two daughters, you know, you need to go, go, go find your way, um, uh, you know, because I'm going to be, uh, I have nothing to give you. I have no sons, I have no wealth, I have nothing. And um, verse 8, go return to your mother's house and the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. And so she, she wishes them the best. And um, verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept again. Oprah, her other uh, daughter-in-law, left. And um, it says Ruth clung to her. You know, Ruth had a grateful heart. And she said, look, your daughter-in-law, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Um, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth says here, it's some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. You know, we often read them at, at weddings, actually. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That is, that is spoken by somebody with a thankful heart. 
You know, she was, Ruth was a woman who lost everything except her integrity and honor. She, you know, she's left destitute, and yet she stays with her mother-in-law out of a sense of gratitude. And you know, strictly speaking, in, in basic terms of survival back in that day, her mother-in-law is a liability, but she is thankful to her, and she stays with her. And, and she persisted and lovingly serves her mother-in-law in the land of Israel, working in the fields as, as, a, as a common servant to gather the remnants of the crops that the reapers have left behind in order to avoid starvation for her and her mother-in-law. And you know, through this, uh, through this service, God opens the door for her to meet the love of her life, Boaz. And, you know, out of this really difficult place, Ruth and, and Boaz, they get married, and uh, Ruth ends up becoming the grandmother of the greatest king of Israel, King David, and she, she ends up being involved in the, the, the divine lineage of Christ, the earthly lineage, at least, of Christ, our savior and and really it was all rooted in somebody who had a grateful heart instead of looking out for number one and as is so common in this world where everybody is just so narcissistic so uh, just focused on themselves you know the golden rule look after number one in all instances Ruth was different she looked out for her mother-in-law she had a heart um, uh, you know of gratitude of thankfulness and you know Deuteronomy 28 says because you serve not the Lord your God in thankfulness you will serve your enemies. You know, Ezra 3.11, with praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord. It says, he is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundations of the, of the house of the Lord was laid. You see, we will not see revival or restoration in our nations without thankfulness. And some of us need to come back to that place of being thankful for what God has done. Psalm 9 and 1, I'll give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I sometimes wonder, are we half-hearted in giving God thanks? You know, 2 Timothy 3 describes the characteristics of those who will live in the end days. Some of the characteristics he describes as being unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. And you know, none of us would want to be described um, in those terms. And yet, at the very head of this list is unthankful. You know, none of us would like to be described as unholy, unloving, unforgiving, yet the Bible starts by saying unthankful. You know, we're living in a world right now where people want to thank luck, they want to thank good fortune, touch wood, they say, etc. They're thanking anybody but God. You see, in Psalm 95 says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Psalm 67, let the people praise you, O Lord. Let the people praise thee. Then the earth shall yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. You see, maybe we are not fruitful because we are not thankful. Some of you need to ask yourself that. Maybe I'm not fruitful in my life because I'm not thankful. You know, Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, fear with me. You know, sometimes we go through some things. You know, sickness, divorce, bereavement, betrayal. You know, I appreciate as Christians we don't endorse or, or believe in these things. And yet sometimes bad things happen to good people. And unfortunately, people like that come to church and they don't always receive grace. They don't always receive understanding. 
And I'm not, like I said, as a pastor, I'm not endorsing things that happen. But you know what? Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and sometimes good things happen to bad, to bad people. And so, you know, we, we have to give each other some grace. You know, has anyone ever heard, as I finish, the worship group can come forward. Have you ever heard of Horatio Spatford? He was an American lawyer and property, property tycoon. And he was ruined in the great fire of Chicago in 1871. A very rich man, but he lost a lot of his wealth. That same year, he also lost his four-year-old son. He was planning to go to um, the UK to help uh, D.L. Moody in an upcoming evangelistic crusade. But at the last minute, some business held him back, so he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead of him. In, in the mid-Atlantic, the ship collided with another ship, and sadly, he lost his four daughters. He was sent a telegram by his wife, saved alone. And as he was passing by later on in a ship, passing by the area where he, he, the ship had sunk, losing his four daughters, like I said, he'd already lost his son, he was inspired to write the words to this hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my ways, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. For me it is Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life thou, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. A song in the night, O my soul. And some of you today, maybe you need a song in the night because your life seems like it is one unending night. A night without end. But know this, the Lord loves you. I want you to stand to your feet right now. We have so much to be thankful for. The very fact that you woke up this morning is a reason to give God thanks. If you're a believer, the fact that your sins have been paid 2,000 years ago. I was on the street yesterday and somebody said, how can somebody you know, who, who lived before I was even born die for my sins? And this is the God we serve. He knows the end from the beginning. You were on his mind even before you were born. And he loved you in spite of your sin. And this is why we can look at the cross and we are reminded that we matter. This is why we can be thankful even when everything is going wrong in our lives. We can be thankful because we know we are loved. And that there was a God who made provision for our eternal salvation. That there was a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. We should be the most thankful people on earth.
And so before I finish today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity if you don't have that assurance that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. If you don't have that assurance that heaven is your home, I want you to just lift your hand up high and I'm going to pray for you today. Is there anybody today, you say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you don't have that assurance that Jesus is Lord, just put your hand up high and I'm going to pray for you today. Praise you, Jesus. Everybody here saved? Okay. Well, then I'd like you to just lift your hands to the Lord. I know we've kind of run out of time, but I want you to just lift your hands. Just think of every good thing in your life right now. Just take your eyes off of that problem, whatever it may be. No matter how big it is, God is bigger. He's in control. But just could you just begin to thank God right now for the good things in your life? Thank God that you can see out of your eyes. Thank God that you could walk in here today in the, under your own strength. Thank God that if you had a bed to sleep on a roof over your head last night, if you have people in your life who love you, they may not be perfect, but they love you, you need to thank God. If you're healthy today, you know, you need to thank God. If you've got money in your pocket or if you've got a job to go to tomorrow, you know, we have so much to thank God for. You know, that we have eternity. Christ has gone to prepare a place for us in heaven. Lord, thank you. Come on, let's just begin to thank God right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done, for all you are doing, and for all you are going to do. Thank you, Lord, that our past no longer exists. Thank you, Lord, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Lord, that you are not, you will not abandon us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that even though we have stumbled and fallen, you will lift us up again, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you, Lord that you know our name. Lord, that you sit your angels around us to protect us and our families. Thank you that our steps are ordered by the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory. Praise you, Father. I'd like us to, to finish with that hymn, All Hail King Jesus, because Jesus is coming back again and we need to be ready. Could we just give a shout of praise to the Lord? Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. We love you. God bless you.